0: Welcome everybody, and thanks also to, to everyone who helped out yesterday, it was, it was fantastic. There's a lot of preparation and planning that, that goes into that, and particularly Donnelly. I like what Elia just said there, you know, praise God for growth, and praise God that the, the church is, is moving forward. I, I once heard Woody Allen commenting on a film that he once made, and the film was a rip-roaring success, a box office smash. And they were interviewing him and they were saying, gosh, you must be over the moon. And Woody Allen was saying, no. He said, but, you know, you're a box office hitting this, that and the other. He said, no. (laughs) And the interviewer said, why? And he said, because if you could see the film that was in my mind, the one that I had dreamed of, that which I created fell so far short of that which they're all applauding. And sometimes I think God must feel like that as He looks at us, as He looks at you, His creation, the one for whom He took on a cross, the one for whom He gladly, happily bled and died, as He looks at me, I wonder what He sees and I wonder how far short I actually fall in reality. And that's what I want to look at for the next few weeks, several weeks, is real Genuine change. Me, you, not being the person that we were and how to get there. How do we get to that place of of metamorphosis, that place that God promises us? All of us can change from glory to glory, from faith to faith. And I've just been studying this in the recent past and I found three particular scriptures that I want to start this morning with. The first one is in the book of Proverbs. It says this, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And do you know what that means? It means that you will never surpass what you think of yourself. You will never be able to go beyond in the practical, the limitations that you place upon yourself and your mind. As you think of yourself, that's as far as you're going to go. That's all you're ever going to be. Limitations are placed in the mind. As a man thinketh of himself, so is he. So are you. Secondly, in the book of Romans, it says the carnal mind is death, but the spiritual mind is not just life, but it's life and peace. And then almost there's a conclusion. You know, if you study the book of Romans, which is where Paul really explains what's happened to you, Right? He goes through the gospel. He explains the history of Israel. And he travels all the way through Romans, right up to chapter, eight, sorry, chapter 12. And in verse 1, he comes to the great conclusion. Do you know what the conclusion is? <laughs> he talks about Israel. He talks about Jesus coming. He talks about his ransom on the cross for you. But that's not his conclusion. He travels all the way through. And the ultimate pinnacle for Paul is this. He says, now do you get it? Therefore, he says, you're only going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now that the cross's work is done in your life, the actual transformation takes place here in my mind, in your mind. And if your mind doesn't change, guess what? As a man thinketh, so he is. If your thinking is not changing, neither are you. If the way you think of yourself is not changing, neither are you. If the way you're perceiving God is not changing, neither are you. There has been an enormous amount of teaching recently, the last decade, say, on the tongue and the mind. Joyce Mayer's famous book there, The Battlefield of the Mind. But hey, do you know what, guys? In comparison to the amount of teaching that the church has had, the change that's actually taken place is abysmal. Amen? We have been stuffed with the Word of God like no prior generation before us. We have been absolutely, it's been laid before us a complete banquet. And particularly on this subject of thought, of the way we think of ourselves, of the way we see God, of the way we see life. Yet the amount of change is dreadful. And that's what I want to talk about for a few weeks to come is dealing with specific mindsets that I know I have and that I've been foolish to keep them. You know, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus said this, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. I've got to love the Lord with my mind. Now, I can understand loving someone with your heart. That's easy to understand. We we say that every day. I can sort of understand loving someone with my strength. How do you do that? You know, uh, love you, love you. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but lo- lo- loving someone with my mind, how does that work? How am I ever going to love God with my mind? Well, I guess through serious changes, through looking at my thinking, because obviously there's some parts of my thinking that stifle my progression as a Christian. There's some parts of my thinking, the old me, that just simply has to go. But before we look at that, I want to just uh, make very clear the power of your mind. Okay? Don't underestimate the power, the force that your mind is over your whole life. Take a look at this list. The Bible says that your mind affects your health. Let's get what's called psychosomatic illnesses, right? And this is very common today. People would have no problem understanding that, but it's been in your Bible... For generations. Proverbs 17, verse 22. A cheerful heart makes good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. And in another place it says anger and bitterness will rot your bones. So you see, attitudes, mental you know, things that go on can make you sick, physically sick. Your thinking affects your health. 50% of all illnesses treated on earth are stress-related. And to this very day, the largest category of drugs that are prescribed by doctors, and I quote, are mood-changing drugs. Mood, is the mind, you see. Look at me, listen. People can't find peace of mind. They can't find peace of mind. They're restless. They're tossing and turning all night. There's no peace in there. The carnal mind is death, but the spiritual mind is life and Peace. And they will never find peace. You can't get it from a bottle. You can't get it from a pill. And God Himself knows this terrible problem and offers us the solution with a spiritual mind. By changing our mind and going through this process, which is good news. Your health will be directly affected by your thinking and by your speech, incidentally. Your confidence is directly affected by your thinking, what you think of yourself, whether you like it or not. The amount of confidence you have is largely built up by those around you. If a child is is grown up and all they get is praise and well done and affirmation, that child will have great confidence, no problem in life, and will probably sail through and be a great encourager to others. But if you didn't get that as a child, you will lack confidence. It's a real irony, isn't it? The confidence I have was given to me by others, by and large. It's what they've said to me. It's the things I've taken in. Now, you can take in negative things, too. So you need to look back and do some self-analysis over your background. Because you can overcome that. You can break free. Even if you were put down as a child, you're born again now. It's a fresh start. You can start to believe what God says about you. Your health, your confidence... And our very conduct comes out of our mind. Jesus said in Luke 6.43 that the good man brings out evil from the evil stored up in him. It's inside him, he's saying. It's inside the cup. And he says the wicked person brings forth uh, evil from the wickedness stored up in him. It's inside him. Right? You think it first. And then you work out those evil deeds. So your health, your confidence, your conduct, all of these things are mental and affected greatly by the way we think. See, God can bring great blessing to you, but can you move with it? Can you move with the times? Hey, man, we're a fast-moving church. I hope you can cope with that. I hope you can keep pace with that. What if God starts opening new doors? What if he calls you? to do something. Yes, you, to do something. Something different. You know, there was a a family in England, a pastor started to visit them. Their home was an absolute mess. They never cleaned up. The house was a disaster. They had newspapers up against the window and all the rest of it. And he started to work with them to try and get them some personal hygiene. But the mother in that house, her mother died. And her mother left them her house. Now her house was immaculate, beautiful. And this family were over the moon. They thought, praise God, God's blessed us. We're moving into something new. And of course the pastor warned them, now listen, you're going to have to change your ways. God has blessed you indeed, but that's going to mean change. Get ready. This is what you're going to have to do. The first thing that family did was they brought three pups and they moved into that house. And as a pastor, well, you can figure it out yourself. It took only a matter of weeks. And that was just as bad. As you see, you can pray for blessing. And God can bring that blessing. But how able, how ready are we to go? conduct? You see, their location changed, but their thinking didn't. Their location changed, but their conduct didn't. They were just the same people in a different location and everything worked out the same. So our conduct comes from our sexual behavior. Indeed, this is in Romans, isn't it? It says that God, in fact, turned to that. You'll see it there. Romans chapter 1 and verse 28. I'll read it to you. Furthermore, since they did not think... It's in the mind. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, He gave them over to a depraved mind. God is talking about depraved sexual behavior... And he says it originated in the mind. So you see, your very sexual conduct comes out of your thinking, comes out of your mind. Health, confidence, conduct, sexual behavior, even your finances, friends. You know, this is a fact, and I'm sure you've probably heard it before. They they did a 20-year study in Canada with people who had won more than a million dollars. And over the 20 years of the people that they studied and they researched their lives, 90% of those who won more than a million had nothing to show 20 years later. 90%. (laughs) Wow. That's mad. How can that happen? It happens because they have the money of a millionaire but not the mind. Right? They've got the finance in the bank but they can't control it. Didn't mature with the process. And so it is with us. We've got to grow up on finances, change our thinking with regards to money. Amen. Amen. And lastly, achievements. As we said at the beginning, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And whether you like it or not, or whether you understand it or not, believe me, you are limited by your own thinking. You see, the power of a Christian, do you know your power? It's released when you focus. It's released in your focus in life. The strength of a Christian is in what they focus on. And the devil loves to give you confusion. Like we had the baptisms yesterday. So often when people come and they say, I want to get baptized. And it's like three months to the baptism. So often people get taken away in relationships, careers. Oh, I can't make it. Changed my mind. They're gone. Lost their focus. And it's a very common trick of the devil. Do you know, he's called the Lion of Judah, Jesus. And a lion is a mighty, mighty, mighty beast. But even I could control a lion. All I've got to do is walk into a lion's den. This will do. Just hold that up. You've seen it, haven't you, on the circuses? All a man has to do is just walk in like that and the lion won't move. And do you know why? Because a lion is made to focus on one thing. And as long as the lion tamer has a chair with four legs, old Clarence there starts to spin around and look, and he can't figure out what to do. You see? You can disable that mighty beast just with four little points, and he can't make his mind up, and down goes the lion. Well, I hope I'm not like that. hope the devil doesn't confuse me or get me to lose my focus. Because that's what it is, folks. Your, your strength is in your focus and you need to keep it. So you can begin to see how strong an effect the mind has in your life. And these are biblical, by the way. You can get references galore for them. But not just that. Our mind is formed by our background, by your childhood, your whole thinking. The way you were brought up. You were framed. You were raised in some culture somewhere, good and bad. Mixed in there. Your childhood affect your thinking. Your parents and how they were to you. I've seen some absolutely awful parents, I can tell you. Some dreadful parents that all they ever said was, you know, putting their kids... It's unbelievable. Terrible. Because that's how they were raised, right? And generation to generation. So your parents affect your thinking, your school, your education, your social environment. The very area in which you are raised will affect your mind we worked in one of the worst areas in in dublin and i remember we had many youth coming and in the middle of those youth there was this guy called chris now chris was a statesman but he didn't behave like it he behaved like a yob but chris was a statesman chris had authority natural leadership and all that he wasn't that big but all the gangs followed chris And Chris would come in and he was quite good with us. He controlled the gangs and he didn't mess about when they were in our center and stuff like that. But many times I would say to Chris, you know, Chris, man, God God, God has made you for a purpose. But he couldn't see it because of the area, because of the place that he was born. All they did was break windows, light fires, drink. And so that was, but in there there was that man that you could see. But he could never believe it. It was like he would just dream when you would say that to him. He would, couldn't see but that which was before him. Couldn't see the possibilities. Such was his thinking. So strong, you couldn't get through it. In fact, many years passed. I hadn't seen him. And he wandered into another church we had in Dublin. He hadn't changed a bit. He was the same young hooligan wandering around the city. And all that potential was because of one thing. Bad parents in a bad area. And so he had never moved on from it. He was stuck. His thinking had limited his progression. And yet, you know, if he you, if you had a Bible, he could have got over all that. God can change all that. Listen to me, please. You had an upbringing. Your thinking was framed, right? All through your childhood, your education, your parents, all of those influences, negative and positive. And then what happened? You got saved. You got saved and you came in here with all of that. It's like bags, you know. We're here. Boom. Bags full of good and bad. Negative and positive. And when you get saved, you need to start to do a bit of, you know, sifting. A bit of throwing out. But it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. It's like, you know, there's a lot of bad stuff in there. It's like a baby with a dirty nappy when you get saved. But salvation, often what people want is another nappy on top. (laughs) Don't start dabbling with the things that are wrong with me. Don't start pointing, you can't do that. You get another nappy, you know what you're going to want? Another nappy. And then you're going to want another nappy. But what we've got to do is get that thing off, right? Completely off. You know when you got saved, we, we are body, soul, and spirit. But if you don't change your mind, yourself, it's not going to change. You know, when you got saved, God did His part. His part is your spirit. Your spirit was dead. Before you repented of your sin, your spirit is is biblically dead. But God's part is this. It's the spirit, not the mind. So what God did is He breathed His life into you. Your spirit comes to life. But then in the next line, He says, right, it's over to you. He doesn't deal with the mind. You do. And the truth is, most people get saved they're born again in the Spirit, but their thinking never changes. And so, their life never changes. Their habits never change. Their levels of, of ministry or experience in the kingdom or power or faith never change because they don't do their part. They get stuck, right, in old habits. I'm not, by the way, please listen to me. I'm not saying you don't love the Lord. It's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying you love the Lord with all your heart, <laughs> not your mind. And so Christ commands us to love us with our heart, our soul, our strength, and our mind. And we can only do that if we change our thinking. I had a worship leader once who's a very good example of this problem. Great worship leader. But she had a few personality problems. She was a control freak. (laughs) Used to love to control everybody around her with manipulation and temper tantrums and all that. But she she had many redeeming factors, we used to call them. She loved the Lord. It's, I waited a long time. I prayed, God, we need to help this person get over this problem. And I didn't know what to do. She was too fragile. If I just intervened, she'd blow apart. She couldn't cope. So I had to wait for two years, <laughs> two years, and praying, Lord, give me a moment that doesn't destroy her, but helps her. Give me a, an inroad and tell me when. And one day, it's just a normal day, I was walking in to the church, she's walking out, and word from the Lord, now, go, 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 go. excuse me, come for a cup of coffee. And I sat down with that woman, I said, you know what, I've been waiting a long time. There's something stinking in you. Nappy. <laughs> we need to get down to that nappy. You need to change, Right? You are controlling people with your temper, with every form of girlhood, manipulation, and it has to stop sometime. But you're so touchy. I've had to wait a long time. And while she was with me, she was absolutely fine. And off she went. Three or four hours go by, she phones up, and she says, I'm going to kill myself because of you. I said, no, you're not going to kill yourself. You're trying to control me. You're saying that to control me, to get me off your back. And I can't. I'm going to change you. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to change that way in you. You won't be killing yourself. Do you know what she did? She did change. It took a long time. It took several months. But she did change. You see, she had a good heart. She had a good heart, but not a good mind. She loves the Lord, worship, fantastic, loved the Lord with all her heart, but not one jot of work done from the day she was saved on her thinking, stinking thinking, they call it, stinking thinking. And so she would come to church and worship, but there was no change. And God, his, his direction was to get in there and to bring her out. How much has your thinking changed? over the years, look back on your life and ask yourself how you were thinking when you got saved and how am I thinking now? It's a difficult question to answer. How can I change my thinking, right? Very difficult, actually. I think these are just four steps for today, just things to look at, things to talk about. Firstly, I would say my thinking will be changed as I spend time in God's presence. Time, especially alone, At home, go in, close the door, and spend time in God's presence. Now, let me explain something here, particularly to those of you in leadership, worship teams, or any other ministry here. The street preachers, listen to me, please. Pastors, listen. The anointing doesn't change you. Right? The presence of God changes you. These are two completely different things. The anointing is that which remains within you. It's that which God gives you for task. He gives you that. It's, it's an empowerment, right? But it doesn't change you. So Eileen here. Eileen, I'm being, excuse me for using you as an example, but last Sunday was a very good example. Last Sunday morning, Chris and Eileen came in and you know what it's like. They're busy putting bags down, sort it. Natanya, get up here. And Eileen was stressed. Did she got the guitar on? Boom. The anointing filled the place. So quick. It's like a light switch. Boom. One minute, I'm all flustered. I'm all over the place. Next minute, right there in the presence of God. Right? That's your anointing. That's fine. That's what it's for. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to do, to do, not change. Right? So every Sunday, Eileen, for example, you can come in here and minister under the anointing, but you won't change. Because the anointing doesn't change you. Or Danya, you can go down on the street and you can get up on that ladder. That's the anointing on you. But it doesn't change you. So all the ministry in the world doesn't change. What does change me then? The presence of God. And that's a different thing. Sometimes you're in a church and there's been no breakthrough maybe in the worship. And you're sitting there and you can't hear anything. But you can see maybe that the guy on the stage is all right. You're sitting there and you're thinking, well, he seems fine, you know. He's anointed, but if there's no presence, there's no hearing, there's no change. I am changed in your presence. Lord. what is the presence of God? How can we detect it? Well, you can detect it because you are laid bare. You know what it's like. Someone you know up here leading worship or something, and all of a sudden the presence of God comes in and you are you just make yourself so vulnerable. you open up your gates, you let God in. And he starts to indeed change the nappy. He starts to put his finger on things. I need to change this in you. And you're willing because in his presence, I am changed. I'm just saying. Some people get saved. Don't change their thinking. Minister under the anointing for 20 years. But they're not one job changed. So don't be fooled. Right? You can love the God, you can love God with all your heart. And I'm sure you do. But there's more to it than that. God wants us to love Him with all of our minds, all of our strength, all of our soul. And these are different things and they require different processes in us. So, firstly, I would say, especially to the leadership, to those of you in ministry, just leave the anointing to God. That's, that's his bit. As one John says, the anointing remains within you. That's not a problem. The problem is you, at home, get on your face. And those of you, especially in worship, and especially now, get on your face at home and seek God. Those of you in the street ministry, don't just live out of your anointing. Be changed in the presence of God. Secondly, you need to feed your mind on good things. You know, in Jeremiah, there's a, a terrible scripture. I remember to this day, the first time I heard it, And God says this, Jeremiah cries out the prophet to Israel. And God says, I gave them a fountain of living water to drink from. But they turned away from me and they drank from polluted cisterns. God. I mean, doesn't the word of God just, you know, cut you to the core? God, that is so human. I gave you the fountain of living water. But you turned away from me. You chose polluted streams, rotten cisterns, and you drank from them. And at some point in our lives, that which is coming in is going to be going out. Amen. Jesus said, the good person brings forth good from the good that's in him. The bad person brings forth evil. So at some point, your diet needs to change. The music you listen to, the TV that you watch, goodness knows you can hardly watch TV anyway, you know? The, the, the normal channels, it's, it, it is, it's hard going, isn't it? It's also corrupt. You watch your diet because you're only going to be producing the thing that you put in. You know, the, the story of the, of the hippie comes into the church. You've probably heard this. I'll tell it again anyway. A, the, the, the hippie comes into the church and he's all messed up. and He comes up to the pastor and he says, I, I feel like there's two dogs fighting inside me, you know? A good dog and a bad dog. The pastor says, which one's winning? And the hippie says, the one I feed. You have a carnal side to you. It's not necessarily sinful. The word carnal just means flesh. And you have a spiritual side to you. Which one's winning? Which one's on the cutting edge? Which one is advancing? And which one is waning? The carnal side of you should be like a dying man. Breathing is last. Because you are crucifying your flesh. The carnal side of you should be weakening and weakening and weakening. And it needs to be visible. It needs to be evident so that you can look and see a measured change, a measured growth like the tree that Jesus wanted the fruit on, not just leaves, not just anointing. I'm looking for fruit. I'm looking for change. The presence of God. You and Him. Friday night in here, can I just be honest with you? Friday night is fantastic, but some of you scare me. Because when we're praying, I see some people playing with their phone. Some people reading the newspaper. I My God. When the saints are seeking God, where are you? Where are you? How can you do that? How far away, actually, are you? presence of God is you and God. Change your diet. Feed your spiritual side. Feed your mind with good things. Thirdly, begin to develop a good habit and that is of taking every thought captive that doesn't line up with what you now know. When negative speech, I mean we had a challenge just about a week and a half ago and it it was a major challenge actually for us and we were praying. I was quite you know, I was concerned. I was anxious. And Jeanette was there and we started to pray. And a few negative words came out of my mouth, you know. But praise God. I caught them. That's the old Michael. We're not going there. Shut up, Michael. You know, stop it. And I caught myself back. I said, come on, let's just pray. I'll shut up and let's pray. Because if I pray, it'll be all right. If I talk, it's no good. You know, that's just the flesh trying to rise up when we had a problem. Hey, we prayed and got an answer. Hallelujah to the very thing we were seeking God for. Praise God. Feed your spiritual side. Start to take note. Kind of scary when someone can run off at the mouth all negative and not even be aware they're doing anything wrong, isn't it? Isn't it? (laughs) Kind of scary that we get to the place where we have no accountability for our thoughts or our words. Heavens above, how did that happen? Love the Lord with all my speech, with all my thoughts. I don't think so. Not even conscious of it, Lord. Got to stop. It's got to stop for real growth. That we're not just hearers, but we are doers of the word. Not just hearers who hear so much about the mind, but never change our own mind. Hear so much about speech, but never change our own speech. In terms of capturing every thought, please listen to me. Your mind is full of your life's thoughts, crammed packed with stuff, thoughts from all over the years, good and bad, and at some point you're going to have to do a clear out, at some point they have to go, for 17 years or whatever, my office has been a disaster zone, because that's how I work, piles of paper everywhere, I say to Jeanette, don't touch my office, don't ever move a thing, because I'll never find anything, you know, that's, that's how I've worked, but just this last year or so I've begun to understand I can't go on it's just not working anymore I'm going to find something now and it's taking me forever just to do a simple task so a few months back I changed that nappy in my life and that was not easy I can tell you I went into my office and I looked and I said right what's the old stuff what's the stuff I don't need And as I began to sort, something became very clear to me. Ah, this is the stuff I need for the future. And that's the stuff that was all about the past. And I went to wherever and I bought boxes and I boxed all the old stuff up. Some of it I threw out. Some of it I just put in storage. But the day came when I was actually able to walk into my office and think, the past is gone. And there's room for the future. And everything I look at concerns where I'm going, not where I've been. And Jeanette came in, you know. I finished it. Come here, look, look. Uh, that's it. Done. And she walked in and she looked around my office. Now, she works in the room next door to me. That's chaos in there, right? There's more handbag. No, let's not go there. (laughs) So, she comes out of her room, you know, climbs out of it, comes into my room. And she looks around and a look of complete envy. Covered her face. And she looked around and she said, if only I could get organized like that. But you won't throw out that old stuff. She won't. (laughs) You know what women are like? She will not, when I clean up, let's not go there. But when when I clean up, when I've got a black bag, she's running around. What are you putting in that bag? What are you throwing out? She will not let go. Now it's limiting, you see. It's, it's the same principle with your thoughts. If you are going to nurse, all you know, some people have pet worries, pet concerns, pet anxieties, and they, they bring them out when they get home and stroke them like a cat. You know? This is my little pet thing. And a negative thing. But it needs to go. Time to clear out it, flush our mind. Right? Everything from the past that's negative has got to go. And make room for all the good stuff of God that He can build you and make you and change you into wherever He is taking you. Do you know, listen to me. Funny, but it's not that funny. You know what James says in the book of James? It says, The double-minded person shall receive nothing. And do you know what that is? It's the person who's got both, the old and the new the person who's won't let go of those old thoughts, those old ways and tries to bring in the new, there's no room. Your focus is all over the place. At some point in your life you need to make your mind up. Which is it? Right? Which, whose side are you on? And at some point you need to say, right, it's clear out time. It's clear out time in my mind, and clear out time in my speech, Things are going to change from this point on. Amen? How do we change our thinking? We're going to look at it for several weeks. First, every one of us spend personal time with God, the presence of God, especially those of you in leadership here. Feed your mind intentionally, deliberately on good things. Learn and start to develop the habit of taking every thought captive that you know doesn't line up with the Word of God. Don't entertain is the way Paul puts it. Don't entertain negativity. And lastly, we need to start to learn to live out of God's absolutes. And by that I mean that, you know, particularly in Pastor Fred and Praveen's congregation, there's many people argue there that, you know, you can never know the truth. You can never know what's true and what's a lie. Nobody really understands. Nobody really knows. And, and Fred and Praveen have to fight hard to say, yes, we do know. Yes, we do know. We do know what the truth is. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There is a way for you to know. It's not confusing. Right? Confusion is not of the Lord. Right? It's not the four legs of this stool. But one clear vision, clear perception in you for your future. Right? And that only comes when we declutter. And many people live in that, that, that confused state, and that's no good. Live out of God's absolutes. The Bible says, what is it, Peter says, He who speaks should speak as he speaks the oracles of God. Right? In other words, it's concrete, it's clear. And the devil loves to make you feel shaky, unstable, rocky. And the person who feels unrocky, do you know what they'll do? They'll lean on other things. They'll go to relationships or a pub or whatever, going for something other than the Lord because you're not confident in Him as your foundation. Oh yeah, the devil likes to rock your foundations, amen? And try and shake you. That's what we, to counteract that, we need to learn to live out of the absolutes of God. And by that I mean your, your mind can play tricks on you. Maybe you're praying and you think, "Oh, I feel like God is a million miles away. Have you <laughs> what's that the Bible says that he will never leave you and never forsake you so tell me why do you feel like it? it's your thinking is it the Bible is the absolute of God and he says he will never leave you so if your thinking is telling you that he's miles away take it captive right live out of the absolutes of God when something comes your way a challenge a, a, a new challenge to you and you start to say I can't do it Live out of the Scriptures that say I can do all things through Christ. Amen? I want you to be open. I want you to be very vulnerable over this next little while. Because each week I want to bring in several different things that... Mindsets. Typical mindsets that block Christians from progressing in their lives. And the same hat won't fit everybody. But we can learn from them and we can help others then when we see those particular problems. So you stay open as we begin just the procedure of loving God, not just with our hearts, but with all of our mind, all of our strength and all of our soul as he has told us to. Just invite the worship team.